the American School Counselor Association, this is I Hear You Say, a podcast for school counselors and other leaders in education. I'm Jen Walsh, Director of Education and Training here at ASCA. Were you unable to attend the 2019 ASCA conference? Lucky for you, today we're talking to Jeff Bauman, who was one of the keynote speakers at the conference in Boston this year. In the flash of the infamous Boston Marathon bomb blast in 2013, Jeffrey Bauman went from being an ordinary 27-year-old guy cheering on his girlfriend at the finish line to a double amputee fighting for his life. The next day, victim turned into hero when he awoke from multiple surgeries. Groggy and unable to speak, Bauman asked for a pad of paper and wrote down, saw the guy, looked right at me. With these seven words, Bauman set off one of the biggest manhunts in U.S. history and earned accolades as a hero. As school counselors, we often witness tragedy and triumph on a daily basis. Many students experience trauma, adversity, loss, and grief, and we're charged with helping them overcome and succeed in the school setting despite these challenges. Welcome, Jeff. Your story is truly remarkable, and we are so happy and honored to have you here with us today. I hear you say that there are certain traits that helped you overcome the months of intensive rehabilitation due to the injuries that you sustained during the Boston Marathon. Many people would have just given up, but you didn't. You know, it was it had a lot, had a lot to do with the people around me and uh, the support that I got. I got so much support from my family, my friends, the city of Boston. That really carried me through. And I also had the best caregivers in the world, I think. They pushed me hard to get out of the hospital and to continue my life and to be a normal citizen again. So it sounds like it was the support and encouragement from others that helped you through your recovery. And I know that many school counselors serve as a support system for their students experiencing adversity. Yeah, well, first off, I, I remember my, um, my high school counselor, you know, Mr. Caminos, and I, I went to Chumsford High School and Chumsford Mass. And I know that there are schools out there that are, that are less fortunate. I think in my way, we had two counselors, and they only dealt with maybe 25 students each, which is not pretty much nothing. And he was always <clears throat> always on my case, you know, always asking me about how everything was going in my life, which really helped. And I, I remember that to this day. Also helped me apply for colleges, helped me when I was struggling in, in classes. So I know what counselors do, and I really appreciate them. And I can imagine having a huge course load. But, you know, every kid is going through something tough, either with their health or with somebody in their family's health or school. That is so great to hear that your school counselor was so encouraging and super involved. Uh, We love to hear that here, as you can imagine. So while trauma and rehab counselors have a very different professional role than school counselors, often school counselors must provide that initial trauma and crisis response counseling. I imagine that you had trauma and rehab counselors to help you recover from the injury. In this case, uh, I had counselors in my hospital in Boston Medical Center. I had counselors that were talking to me every day, and then also when I went into rehab and to Spalding, I was uh, I had counselors that were 
counsel, you know, talking to me about everything that was going on in my life and helping me with tons of paperwork that I had, which was a huge help. And I mean, they also helped my family. I think that's probably the biggest thing because I was pretty much, uh, you know, I was pretty much focused on my injuries and, and getting back to normal. So I had my path laid out in front of me, but my friends and my family, they didn't. They didn't really know what to do, and I know that they got a lot of help. We had counselors from the FBI, from Boston Medical Center, that would talk to my family about trauma and being a, a victim of, of terrorism, and I think that really, really helped just to talk to somebody. Someone's there to listen. Were there any strategies that these trauma and rehab counselors used to help you and your family recover from the trauma that you experienced? Yeah, I think the main one would probably be not to fight around me or kind of be calm around me. I think that's the best way to put it is it's like everybody has to remain calm around Jeff, you know, because I was going through something really stressful and dealing with my injuries and I remember just having, you know, family members in my room fighting. I, I thought, you know, my back's going I, I mean, just get them out of here. So I think they picked up on that. And they were like, hey, you got to just remain calm. And my nurses, too, were like, you have to remain calm around them. It's in a tough situation right now. We'll hear more from Jeff in a minute. But first, did you know that ASCA provides many different resources on trauma and crisis management? We offer resources on our homepage with information about how to support your students experiencing trauma due to natural disasters, the aftermath of a school shooting, death by suicide, troubling issues in the news, and other issues students face. You can also earn your specialist designation in trauma and crisis management through ASCAU. What has been the biggest surprise since the bombing happened? So many. I, I mean, my life was crazy. I, I think the surprise was probably writing a book and proceeding with that. And I did a lot of public speaking where I got to travel the country and tell my story. And I didn't realize I was, was going to turn this into like kind of a, a successful thing. I came out really successful, and I think that was due to the people around me that really pushed me and got me to that level, and everyone that I met along the way. And I couldn't have gone that far without them, but I, I went pretty far and, and turned my book into a, a movie, and then I met uh, you know, David Gordon Green, who directed it, Todd Lieberman, all these big-time Hollywood guys that make huge movies, and then Jake jumped in and met Jake John Hall and that was truly like uh, I don't really think this is happening but he really loved my story and, and pushed it to the next level he did that that's like a huge moment it's like whoa holy, holy smokes I think that that brings up the topic of resiliency which is something that our school counselors are always trying to build in their students so what helped you turn such a traumatic and devastating event into something positive for your life? Yeah, it did. I mean, I, I, I'm still here. I think that's the main thing that you have to really focus on is that you're still here to live life. But now you just got to find a different way to live it. And 
do the best you can. And, you know, you're going to have bumps along the way. You're going to have obstacles throughout the journey. But you always have to stay positive. I have bad days here and there, and I still stay positive. And I, I know I have a lot in my life, and sometimes I forget about that. I have to go back and remind myself. So if you're going through something and you're struggling, you just have to always remind yourself that you're not really alone in this journey, and, and life's hard. Life's not always easy, but you got to figure out a way to enjoy it the best you can while you're still here. So that's all I do. You mentioned that you've had the opportunity to travel and meet a lot of people throughout this journey. I'm sure that you've learned a lot along the way. I learned a lot about other people, and very rarely I, I meet someone that's got blown up by an IED and lost both their legs above the knee. I, I've met maybe one or two other people that have had this very similar thing happen to them. You know, they're Army, and I really relate to them, and we're crazy, and we have a lot of fun when we get together. But that's it. It's just, I, I think learning from other people has been my best experience when going out to tell my, my story around the country. Either, either if it's talking to a corporation or a room full of college kids, everybody wants to come up and, and try to relate and tell, tell me what they're going through and, and, and tell me how I helped them. And that was really positive for me to hear that because I go into these talks and I'm like, God, no one wants to hear me talk. Like, why do, why, do, why do people want to hear me talk? I'm just a normal dude. And then afterwards, I get this tremendous feedback where everyone wants to come up and, and say hi and, and talk to me for a little bit to the point where I'll, I'll sit there sometimes for like hours after just talking to people. And it's really a, a really cool feeling. And, you know, that's what I take from it. That's what I enjoy the most out of it. You mentioned two Army vets that you've met along the way. What have you learned from them? What do you do for fun? And how have they helped you with resiliency? I have my friend Lewis, who's down in um, Orlando, and he's an amazing runner. He runs on the blades, and he's uh, really good at it. So whenever I go down to Orlando, he comes over and he works with me on stuff. And he was a little earlier than I was when he got blown up. And he, uh, so he shows me the ropes on different things, like how to use the runner legs, how to walk, how to walk down hills. So it's really cool to have that person that's my age and able to show me things. And then we connect on that level. And then, you know, he has a daughter too, and I have a daughter. And we connect on that level. We can really talk. And it's just uh, really amazing to have somebody going through this very similar injury to bounce stuff off of them. I could call him anytime if I'm having trouble. He's always there. You obviously went to the Boston Marathon that day, not being afraid, or I would imagine not being afraid. But then after you experience that, I feel like it's like if you get into a car accident, you might be afraid to drive. So just how do you overcome that fear of the potential for something bad to happen like that again? Yeah, I hear that. I really do. I think you just got to look at the numbers, though. I mean, uh, I mean, I've never, even when I saw the bag down next to me, I never really thought, I mean, I was like, that's suspicious. Then it like, it immediately escaped my mind. Like, ah, he just left his bag there. He'll be right back. But a part of me did think like, hey, ooh, this could be something. Like, why'd he do that? And in the ambulance, I, I knew exactly what happened. I was telling the ambulance driver and then the cop in the ER, I was like, that was a bag. It was a bomb in the bag. He, was, he put it down and it exploded. So... 
right there. I was jumping off the case and trying to solve it. That was just my mentality. I was like, no, we got to catch these guys. It's going to be really, really tough to catch him because I briefly bumped into me and I saw him. And so that's that just loops around to if you're a student, you know your classmates that are you, know, you kind of have to blow the whistle on them. Like, hey, when you watch out for that kid, and it's a very tricky situation, I guess, on that point, but. You know, people that are having trouble and and post stuff on social media, you just always have to tell somebody or be aware of it. And maybe you can stop it. And I'm sure, you know, stuff gets stopped all the time in that manner. That You know, someone's like, hey, this kid's posting this weird stuff. And then maybe the cops go and talk to him and he doesn't get the idea out of his head. That's it. You just got to be vigilant yourself in a way. Not to like scare anybody, but to just keep your head on a swivel and be aware of your surroundings. I was like that, but only to a point. And, I mean, there wasn't really much that I could do at that point. You know, I can't scream, and I had no idea what was in the bag. It's just, to me, that was suspicious. And certainly afterwards, I wanted to be vigilant and help with the case and help the best I could identify him. But it, I think that's it. You just have to kind of be aware of your surroundings. That's all I can say. It's just a crazy world nowadays that we live in. There's a lot of people, people that are struggling, going through hard times, you know, violent people that have mental disorders that just unfortunately might not know the severity of the crime that they're committing or who it might affect or they just don't care. It's just a crazy, crazy world. So basically just be vigilant, but don't let fear, the potential for something bad to happen, overcome your daily life. Yeah, exactly. Just be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, just always kind of be aware and know what you're going to do and I think what saved my life was that I didn't really panic. And when that all happened, I was very calm on the ground. I mean, I was suffering from massive injury, but I was really, really, really calm to the point where I, I actually just laid down and I called it quits. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to go and I'm really cool with it. I've led a good life this far. And I just remained really calm. And I think that saved my life. And I think that could save a lot of lives in a, you know, some sort of event. It's happening. It's just you stay calm and, and you just really think through it and and try to just focus on staying alive. And that's what I did personally. I just focused, and then I and then someone came to help me. Carlos, this guy in the cowboy hat, came to help me, and then I was like, "All right, I'm going to help myself too." And I grabbed my left leg. You just have to stay calm, and because it's unfortunately this crazy world we live in. It's interesting that you said that once the guy in the cowboy hat. You said his name was Carlos. Once you felt that he was helping you, that gave you the motivation to help yourself. So I think that that translates into what our audience does, our school counselors, is a lot of times it just takes one adult person caring about a kid for them to care about themselves and their future. Absolutely. And they, they are, even if those that certain student doesn't have the right situation at home, which is pretty much often the case sometimes with kids that are going through a hard time. They can step in and, and really help that student and maybe guide them to a better future, which is huge, which is massive. Now for our quick tip segment. Taking action now can save lives, prevent injury, and minimize property damage in the moments of a crisis. 
If you do not have a crisis plan in place, it is time to develop one. If you do have one, review, practice, and update your plan. The U.S. Department of Education offers a brochure that presents practical information in a checklist format on crisis planning with mitigation and prevention, preparedness, response, and recovery. You can find a link to this brochure in the show notes. Another great resource is from the Futures Without Violence organization and is titled Safe, Healthy, and Ready to Learn, Policy Recommendations to Ensure Children Thrive in Supportive Communities Free from Violence and Trauma. This document is also posted in the show notes. I hear you say that through this tragedy, you also witnessed and experienced remarkable human beings who triumphed over terror. Can you talk about the power within each of us to overcome obstacles? Yeah, we all have. I mean, uh, from what I've seen and what I've been through and the other survivors, everyone's really kind of thrived and, and gotten through it and is either up on their prosthetics or or fighting to get up on their prosthetics or on their like leg that's really badly damaged. There's a lot of pain that goes involved, but you have to really keep your head up and keep your mind clear and do whatever it takes to be the person that you want to be, even after you go through something really traumatizing. It's really tough to get on course with who you want to be because your environment has changed so much and what you think of your environment. It's hard to articulate with this, uh, but yeah, it's your environment changes and you have to adapt to your new environment and and not be scared of it and really, really just stay focused and either, you know, you might have to eliminate some people that get in your way, uh, get in your focus way or eliminate whatever it is that's holding your focus down, which is, Sometimes it could be too much coffee or change your diet or stop drinking or you really have to just find a way to stay as focused as possible so you can live the best life as possible. And I think that will lead to some sort of happiness and some sort of way you can really look back or look at yourself in the present moment and feel good about yourself and the goals that you're accomplishing. That's what I'm doing right now. So in my case, I was having three years ago, I was having a real hard time with my relationship. And I ended up uh, getting a divorce, but we had a daughter that was just barely two at the point, and I was scared, and I was drinking a lot and partying, and I knew I wasn't being the best person I could be to myself, and I really worked hard and stopped drinking, changed my diet, started, and eventually started to really work out, and I was I was way out of shape, but I did all that because I really wanted to be a great father and be a great role model for my daughter. And it really had nothing to do with anything else but that. But then I realized that to do that, and my ex, Erin, she's amazing. She always told me, she's like, we went to like a lot of counseling and they kept just saying, and to be the best dad, it's not that you always have to be there for your daughter. It's that you have to be there for yourself to be the best dad. You have to be the best person to yourself. And then that will reflect into being a great dad. And I really took that to heart and I really tried to change myself and I quit drinking and stuff going out and started to live like a normal 30-year-old and I went back to school full-time and I really changed my habits and my behavior and right now in this present moment I'm really solid and I took really everything that was bad in my life and pushed it aside and really focused on what I what really mattered. I'm a board member of a charity organization called Sailing Heels and I go to UMass Lowell full-time studying legal studies and psychology which is really fun 
And I, I have my daughter Wednesday through Saturday every week. And it's tough going to school and being a, a full-time, you know, full-time, part-time dad, whatever you call it. And, but that's what I did. I just really focused on who I wanted to be and took everything that was negative out of my life gradually and switched my habits and, and changed my behavior. And now I feel really good about myself. And that's the best advice I can give. And that's where I'm at right now. And to close out the segment for today, Jeff, can you tell us what gives you hope? Um, I think learning. And in school, I didn't enjoy it when I was younger. I had trouble with uh, being in the classroom. I always wanted to be outside and playing sports. But now that I'm a little bit older, I I really enjoy learning and going to class every day and and just talking and bouncing stuff off the professors. It's really fun to learn. And that's where I'm at right now. That's what really gives me hope and something that I love to do. It's just learning. And I think that everybody has to always continue to learn, whether it's like a new hobby or reading a new book or just trying to cook something new or trying to learn a new sport. You always have to stay learning and keep your mind sharp. And that gives me a lot of hope. And I practice that with my daughter all the time. It's just like, let's try to learn something different today. Let's, let's work on something that she needs to work on. And that gives me hope. That gives me a, a purpose, a goal. I wanted to thank you, Jeff, for joining us today and for sharing your incredible story. If you'd like to hear more about Jeff's story, you can pick up a copy of his book, Stronger, from the words of the Boston Globe, adapting to his new life and learning to walk using prosthetic limbs. The affable Bauman displays a range of emotions from humor to heartbreak, also bitterness and cynicism. Despite his physical and emotional struggles, he impresses the reader with his optimism. I'll always be different, he says. That's my life, but that doesn't mean I'm not normal. Thank you all for joining us today, and we hope that Jeff's story will serve as your motivation and hope this week. 